Thanks, brother. Um, just to kind of kickstart, <clears throat> uh, just I've asked uh, one of our sisters to do the reading out loud for us so that we can read this passage together corporately. So if you just want to get your Bibles ready and get into 1 Peter chapter 4, um, give you a bit of a, a notice about that. And just while you're turning there, just so we can all follow along as Chantel reads, um, I'll just kind of give you a bit of an idea for what the night looks like. A bunch of us have met and prayed over this series of spiritual gifts. We've talked about how we could effectively communicate this to one another and encourage one another and, and see this be really practical. Um, and so I'm just going to lay out kind of what is before me today, and hopefully that'll be helpful for you. Um, I'd like to sort of look at about... I guess I'll call it 14 things. It's really seven things that I see in the chapter uh, in those 11 verses. And I've just, in order to help me process the information, I like to use either alliteration or spelling words or just something that helps it stick in my head. And so I have um, some points that I'll start with the same letter just because that helps me. Uh, for some of you, you might roll your eyes, but that's fine. Um, we all have different gifts and abilities. And that's how the Lord helps me to process and so we'll just kind of go through the chapter, um, the verses that we're going to read, and, and I'll just sort of lead us through that. I got some slides in a slide deck here that we can try and run through. And then um, recognizing that uh, there's quite a few people that would really like to be here and aren't, uh, I just want to let you know that this, we're going to, I think, try and record the sessions. Um, so at some point, once I've kind of gone through First Peter 4, we're going to hit pause because we're not, the recording's not going to pick up your voices. And that's really to give a time. There's going to be a slide called questions. And I've had some, I've asked people to give me questions. Um, and so I've got a few questions on the slide. And, and we would like this to be an interactive discussion time. And then once we're about 20 minutes or so from the end, whether that's 8 o'clock or sooner, if it looks like the conversation has gotten quiet, um, then I've got just sort of a wrap of some examples in, in the Bible. And, and hopefully a, a sort of sending us out into the week with a real practical application of what we've talked about. Uh, so that's sort of the, the agenda, I guess, if you could call it that. And so you know what to expect. A little bit of me talking, hopefully a whole bunch of all of us talking, and then a little bit of me talking at the end. That's kind of what I'm... And uh, prayer, prayerfully, uh, I sure hope that it's not me you hear, but the Lord. Um, so at this point, I'm going to ask Chantel in her... Excellent reader voice to read out First Peter chapter 4 for us, from verse 1 to verse 11, please. Amen. Thank you, Chantel. Um, just before I yeah, start, uh, I'm just going to pray as well. Um, yeah, Father, just struck again by the, um, the multifaceted grace that you pour out, that each of us is gifted differently, that each of us is somehow made in your image, and yet um, we reflect the fact that you are just such an awesome God. Um, none of us can, can accurately um, portray just how great you are. Um, just thinking of the different gifts, even just thinking of those who pretty much immediately volunteered to work with the kids as soon as they saw the need, and just recognizing that that's a, a sacrifice on their part, and, and yet uh, a joy in serving you. And, and I just... I. Marvel, Lord, at how you equip and you 
you give people a desire to serve you and then you enable them to do that. Uh, and then you reward them for doing that. You're, you're an awesome God. You're an amazing God. And I pray that everything that's said tonight would, would testify to that and would point to the person of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as an example of what living a spirit-filled, spirit-led life looks like, what it looks like to constantly be in communion with the Father, to constantly be in right relationship with the Father. Your son is the best example for that. Um, yeah, I pray that this would be a time that would be, yeah, encouraging, equipping, exhorting, whatever we need, Lord. There's a variety of needs here. Uh, I just pray that you, in your multifaceted grace, would meet all of them. Uh, and I believe that you can and would delight to do so. Um, so I just commit our time here um, to you, in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, hopefully you don't mind, but I'm going to walk around a lot because I pace when I'm nervous and public speaking, although uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of ironic how the Lord gifts people for different things and it's maybe not right in their wheelhouse. I'm thinking of Moses um, and how the Lord sent him to Pharaoh and Moses says, but I stutter. Are you sure you want to pick me? And uh, that's more or less how I feel. I'd rather just be talking to you guys in my living room, but here we are. Um, so yeah, I have a clicker, and I hope that it reaches that far away. It, oh, I think I got it. Okay, so like I said before we prayed, um, I just want to kind of run through uh, this chapter and talk about some of the things that leapt out at me as I read it a few times in the last few weeks and I sort of prepared. But in this passage, especially in the first half of what Chantel read and what we read corporately, um, we really just see sort of an expectation beginning in verse 1, of what it looks like to have new life in Christ. What does it look like um, to be like Christ? And so uh, I want to kickstart with a reminder of what Nathan said a couple weeks ago in session number one, uh, where he talked about unity. Um, every believer, everyone who's in Christ, every Christian, every follower of Christ. I don't know what words are the easiest for you to grasp the concept, but everyone who's placed their faith in Christ has a spiritual gift. Um, so if you're here today and you have placed your faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And that spirit is giving you a gift to use. Um, that's pretty powerful and amazing. And so um, we'll get to it later, but one of the things that Nathan talked about in that uh, session was that um, every gift, every gifted person is necessary within the body. So we need you. And so um, just bearing that in mind as we look at this, um, one of the things that struck me, and again, some of this um, may not be the way you would have worded it, and honestly, some how it's laid out isn't how I would have done it naturally. Um, but just as I was going through this, the Lord impressed some things on on my mind. So um, the first thing I want to look at is that there's a surprising purpose that's revealed here in chapter four of First Peter, um, and it and it goes like this. So chapter three is all about godly living. It's all about 
how husbands and wives should treat each other, and then this is what it looks like to suffer for righteousness' sake. And then chapter 4 begins, therefore. So based on all the, the godliness that we just talked about, um, just like Christ suffered for us in the flesh, we should have the same mind. So our purpose, much like Christ purposed in his heart to do the will of God, our purpose is to have the same mind as him. So what that means is that we should expect to suffer. <laughs> it's a really uplifting start. But, but we should expect to suffer. And that's true. We know that's true because the Lord Jesus said it, where he told the disciples of the world, they hate me, they're going to hate you. And he warned his disciples about that. He talked often about, take up your cross and follow me. Um, he talked about whoever puts their hand to the plow and looks back, they're not worthy. So you've got to be focused. You've got you to have this mindset of, of service. And, and, and the Lord Jesus had this mindset where he was willing to suffer. Um, and so there's this purpose that we find in the first few verses. Um, it talks about how for this cause in verse 6. So for what cause? Well, because we're going to have to give account. Everyone's going to have to give account for their actions. And so because of that, the gospel was preached. Um, and so there's a purpose that we find um, to be Christ-like. To suffer in a Christ-like way. Um, so this is a surprising purpose because when, when I think of spiritual gift, I don't automatically think of suffering. <laughs> I think, oh, gift, that's a good thing. That's nice. We, we like having a gift. That's, I, maybe you don't like getting gifts, but um, most people like receiving a gift. And we don't automatically associate that with suffering. And yet, um, this chapter is telling us that with new life and with a gift from God comes suffering. Why is that? Well, it's because the world has different desires than we do. And our desires will change as we follow Christ. And so there's a list there of desires. Um, it talks about um, lasciviousness, lust, drunkenness, revelings, banquetings, and abominable, abominable idolatries. Um, talks about speaking evil, the excess of riot. Uh, that's all King James language, but the, you heard the list as, as our sister read it. So the prior course of behavior, the previous set of actions that, that we followed after, that's not our set of actions anymore. Um, and so we, we stand with Christ in suffering, and his suffering is in stark contrast to these desires, which were all about me, 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 me. That's what this whole list is. I want that. I want to have fun. I want this. I want that. That's, that's this lifestyle. And Christ said, who is God, thought it not robbery to be equal. It wasn't, to him, it wasn't robbery to be equal with God. And, and the same one humbled himself and, and became a servant and came and was obedient even to the death of the cross. So, so the example that Christ gives of what it looks like to follow after um, God with your whole heart, it includes some suffering. There's going to be some times where it's a little difficult when we're exercising our gift. Particularly if you have a gift that's, uh, I'm just thinking of a few examples, but I, I know people who have a gift of giving. Well, it's pretty easy to give out of your plenty, 
But sometimes God calls us to give when we don't have anything to give as far as we could tell. And he asks us to just be faithful and give what he's told us to give, even though we can't see how, well, how am I going to feed my family next week? You know, like this doesn't, this math doesn't add up. But God's math is, is superior to our math, and so he makes things work out. And, and sometimes giving is sacrificial, and it hurts a little. And sometimes we go into places with the gospel, and we get ridiculed or mocked. And sometimes, and I'm sure you can plug in a situation that's happened in your life, where there's been some suffering associated with what it means to walk with Christ. Um, one of the next things I, I thought about was, well, what, how does this um, living according to God, how, what does this look like in verse 6? How does this operate in us as believers? How do we best use our gift? What's the, what's the operating system we're using? And so it's a, uh, it's a spirit life. It's a different kind of life. We've lived naturally in the flesh as, as people, and back in the beginning— God formed man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. And, and that man, Adam, sinned. And so everybody who was born after Adam was born in sin. And so we're, we're headed on this trajectory where the spirit that rules our lives is our own spirit. And it's the spirit of me, me, me. And we see the fruit of that. Um, this kind of living that we're being called to here in First Peter 4, this is what Peter's talking about, godly living, is a living that um, is a different spirit. It's God's spirit put, put in us, and it produces a totally different kind of fruit. Um, and that's spiritual fruit. And you can think of Galatians 5 or other places where it talks about love, joy, peace, patience, those kinds of good things coming out um, as being an example of that fruit. It's also a life of direction. So it's being led by the Spirit rather than chasing after our own flesh and doing what we want to do kind of thing. So this, this Spirit life leads to a change in behavior from being me-pleasing stuff to being self-sacrificing, self-giving types of actions. So it's agape is the Greek word for love, and it's one of the Greek words for love, and it's the word for a love that is unconditional. And so what we're being called to now is, is being like that, because God's like that. And so as we think about unity, we think about we've all been one kind of person or another. Um, Paul would write to the Corinthian church and list a whole bunch of awful things that, that are all wicked, and he would say, such were some of you. And so we all have a different background. We're coming from a different place. But we were all sinners, and now we've been born new into a new family, and, and we have a new direction, and that direction leads to new traits in our lives. It should, anyway. Um, we should become more like Christ the more time we spend with him. And so um, the new direction uh, is part of, part of this as well. When we get to verse 7, uh, the end of all things is at hand. So because the end is near, what should we do? And um, when I first read this, I kind of smirked a little bit. I'm like, Peter, the end is near, like 2,000 years ago. Like, what did... But, but the, the return of Christ is as imminent to Peter as it is to me. Because there's nothing stopping it 
from happening except for the grace of God that he's willing that all should come to him. And so he's holding off judgment as a merciful and gracious God and that's why he hasn't come back yet. And so, so there's this grace and mercy that's, that's being displayed and so this imminence matters and so how does that shape the way we live? Well, how it shapes the way we live is that um, we should exercise sound judgment. Um, so the, I'll just read it in the NASB here, but the, the, verse, the way the verse was worded, the end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. So sound judgment is, is about being wise people. It's about having a different train of thought than what we used to have. So my wisdom isn't any good. How I would have uh, even presented this message is very different than how the Lord led me to present it. Um, this whole series, probably going to look different than how I would have structured it. But guess what? That's good. <laughs> we don't want something that's just my way, because maybe for the rest of you, it wouldn't have made sense. It might make sense for me, but maybe you think differently, and it, and it doesn't make sense. Um, and so we need to be people who are filled with God's wisdom. So every action... Uh, needs to be filtered through God's judgment, God's wisdom. But we're also people of discernment, and that means we're being led and being taught by the Spirit. Paul would tell churches to discern the spirits when someone came and preached a message to them. Discern the spirits. Is it what this person's saying, does it line up with what God has already showed us? If it does, cool. If it doesn't, throw it out. And so we are called to be people of discernment. And so when it comes to using our spiritual gifts in particular, we're called to be discerning people. If, if I'm saying, oh, I'm going to use this gift, and it's not to honor and glorify God, man, what does discernment tell us? Discernment tells us that we should probably not do that thing because that's not what God's spiritual gift to us is for. God's spiritual gift to us honors and glorifies him, and it builds up the church. So we're called to be people of sound judgment and discernment. <clears throat> so the second half of that verse talks about a sober spirit of prayer. And so I just want to add another pillar as we're laying the foundation here. We've had two pillars already. We talked a couple weeks ago, and these are on the Assiniboine Bible Church podcast uh, on Spotify and Apple, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you, obviously if you're listening to my voice from the future, hello. But the rest of you are here, um, and you're, if you're missing something I say or whatever, uh, feel free to go check that out later. Uh, Mark's been doing an awesome job of getting those posted relatively quickly. Like I said, we have a bunch of people that want to hear um, what we're covering. But the pillars that we had uh, two, three weeks ago, I guess, Nathan talked about unity. Last week, I wasn't here, so I don't know what Josh talked about, but I think it was love. And um, I'm just kidding. I heard, the, I heard the podcast, so I know that our brother saw the beauty of the woman who broke open the alabaster box of ointment and offered it up to the Lord and poured it on him. And just the beauty in loving the Lord. And so, so spiritual gifts are offered out of uh, desire to have unity within the body. They're, they're used in love for one another, but they're also to be used with prayer. 
um, I would suggest from this passage. So a sober spirit, when you and I think of the word sober, we probably think of not drunk or something like that. Um, But the word sober, actually, it's talking about an alertness or a watchfulness. Uh, uh, Yeah, it's talking about clarity. It's talking about not being under influence of other things. Um, It's just, it's a clear, alert, intentional, I guess, approach to prayer. And so that's a challenge. Um, If you're in a situation and you're, oh man, what's my spiritual gift, whatever, um, we need to be clear, we need to be alert, and, and... taking it seriously. Um, It's also a discipline. Um, Is anybody here a marathon runner? Just out of curiosity. No? Uh, Do you know why that is? It's because you don't become a marathon runner by accident. It takes discipline. Because the marathon's really far, and I don't like running in general, Hence why I'm not a marathon runner, because you don't accidentally become a marathon runner. You don't accidentally make the NHL. You don't accidentally get a PhD. You don't accidentally be excellent at something. It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes structure in your life. Now, I want to be really, really clear. Um, My effort to grow in my spiritual gift isn't what makes my spiritual gift stronger or whatever. It's the power of God working that does that. What I need to do is practice. I don't like basketball at all, but I I remember an interview with a basketball player that kind of went viral uh, ways back. Uh, His name's Allen Iverson, and he is a bit of a mouthpiece. But anyway, um, just he got in trouble one time, and he was talking to the reporters, and he just said, practice? You're talking about practice? And he went off on the reporters about how they were asking him lots of questions about practice. You're not talking about the game I love. You're talking about practice. And he was really upset because they dared to question his work ethic and integrity when he was actually super lazy and didn't really do that much work in practice. And it sort of reflected in the game. Um, and so that's what this is about. It's about practice. It's about, hey, have you, has anybody told you, you know, uh, I really appreciated the thought you brought out in Bible study. I'd never thought about it that way. Cool. Did you just leave it there? Or did you dive in next week and study more and be prepared and ask some more questions? And are we practicing? If, if somebody says, oh, man, it was awesome having you deal with the kids. Like, my kid came home and told me five things that you had told them in Sunday school, and it was really helpful. And so then do you just go, well, I guess I didn't really enjoy it, so that's not my gift, so I guess I won't do that again. Or do you practice? There's so much of the Christian life that we talk about reading the Bible and praying and how those are spiritual disciplines, and that's true. I know discipline's a really scary word, or at least it was for me um, as a kid because I encountered a lot of it in my life. Um, but, but, but discipline isn't a bad thing. It's about being equipped and, and making sure that we're making good choices day after day so that we're making ourselves available for the maximum benefit. And so that's why Alan Iverson had it all wrong. The game wasn't the most important part. Practice was. And that's what made Kobe Bryant, and again, I'm talking out of just what I've read. I don't really follow basketball. But that's what made Kobe Bryant the greatest basketball player ever, arguably. Um, because uh, there's countless interviews and articles with other basketball players talking about how um, they would go and they would get to the gym and they'd start working out or they'd start shooting hoops, whatever, and Kobe was already there. And they would do the longest, hardest, most grueling workout of their life 
And Kobe was there the entire time doing the same thing. And they would leave exhausted, and he was still there. And then you'd interview Kobe, and you'd find out later that he did it just to show that guy, I'm willing to work harder than you. And that was just part of his persona. But, but that's what it takes to be great at basketball, at least, is to shoot lots of hoops. Um, what does it take to grow in our spiritual gift? First of all, the spiritual gift, we have to recognize the source. Um, yes, spiritual gifts, we talk about it being like a muscle. We have to flex it. We have to use it in order to grow. But we have to acknowledge where it comes from. The gift comes from God. So it does no good to be like, oh, I want that guy's gift. Oh, I wish I had her gift. Because your issue and my issue is not with that person. It's with God because he's the one who hands them out. He's the one who decides who gets what gift. And so everything that we do with our gift, we must be intentional and disciplined. And we must, um, yeah, recognize that growing in our gift doesn't happen by accident. Every one of us has a gift, but we don't just grow in it by accident. Uh-oh. Oh, good. Sorry, my... Uh, Poor little remote here is stretched to the max to reach my laptop at the back. Um, So yeah, every one of us has received a gift. Every child of God is spiritually gifted, and you are necessary. We need you. Here at ABC, if you're part of our family here, we need you. The, The body of Christ as a whole, that's every believer in the world, we need you. Um... What I find really, really fascinating is that God has chosen, I want to word this carefully, God has chosen to entrust us with spiritual gifts. He has chosen to count on us to do what he wants us to do. I worded that intentionally. I'm not saying God needs you to use your gift. What I'm saying is God chose to give you a gift and he's counting on you to do that. We need you. God chose you and gave you a gift and equipped you so that you could meet that need that we have corporately. So hopefully that's somewhat clear. And so my challenge to you then is steward the gift. Steward the gift. If you've been given something, do something with it. Um, if you own a piece of land in Portage and it's just a bare clump of grass, develop it. Put a house or a business or whatever on it. It's, why just leave it? What I'm not saying go out and buy land and build houses. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I'm just saying if you have something, put it to use. Develop it. Make it, make it worth more than just a blank canvas. Um, if you have a skill or a, or a passion, career-wise or whatever, develop that. Create whatever, if you're artistic, um, do things with what you've been given. We tell kids that all the time. We tell, especially high schoolers, we tell them that, you know, start thinking ahead about what you want to be and what you want to do and prepare for those things. There's actions you can take. Well, it's the same thing with spiritual gifts. Um, if you've got a spiritual gift, which... If you're a believer, you do. Um, Cultivate that. Use it. Develop it. Grow in it. Mature in it. Again, reminding that that the gift comes from God. In warfare, it would be weird if we went to war and we didn't use every weapon in our arsenal. Um, Or at least threaten to use them in 
use what you've got to take on your enemy, right? Um, in a sports team, so this was the metaphor that came to mind, and um, I was thinking of uh, there's if there's any Capitals fans, they'd appreciate this one maybe. But so Alexander Ovechkin is a hockey player. Um, Alexander Ovechkin has recently passed the 800 goal mark in the NHL, which is a big deal. Um, imagine if his team is down three nothing in the game seven of the Stanley Cup. Finals. I know they're not making it this year, but they're down three nothing in Game Seven. And imagine the coach of the team goes to Alex Ovechkin. We can't handle another goal against. If we get scored on again, like the statistics are in, uh, anybody who's down four nothing in a Game Seven, um, guaranteed to lose unless, unless they're playing the Leafs. Um, and so, Alex, we're going to need you to strap on the pads and get in net and make sure that not a single goal goes in. What a stupid idea! Here's a guy who's got one thing that he's really good at, and that's shooting the puck at the opposing team's net. And a high-volume shooter, high-percentage shooter, give him the puck as much as you can, and he'll stand at the hash marks and throw it in the net at least a couple times. That's your best chance for success. How stupid would we be if we knew that there were gifted people in our body and we, we actively discouraged them from using their gifts? That would be crazy. And, and sports teams, that would be crazy. And in war, that would be crazy. Why would you have fighter jets and drive them down the highway? Like, that would be dumb. We wouldn't do that. So, so what I want to encourage you in is whatever your gift is, we need you. There's a spot on the team. Aaron mentioned that we've been on this train for a couple years now. There's a spot on the team for you, and we need you in your gift. We need people of all kinds of gifts. And I'm really excited over the last couple of years to have watched and been part of your lives and seen gift growing in people and, and to see uh, what that looks like when, when people are in the right spot on the team and they're thriving and they're serving God and others. And it's really, really exciting. And so we want to steward the gift that's in ourselves, but as a, as a church, we want to deploy people well. And we want to give you opportunities to be successful. So that's why if you've been here at all for the last two years, you've heard us talk about, hey, we have opportunities in kids ministry. Hey, we need people who can play instruments and want to help lead worship and, and celebrate the awesomeness of God together. Hey, we, <clears throat> we have opportunities at Youth for Christ. Come and partner with us in a work of getting the gospel out into the community and discipling these kids. There's so many opportunities that we're trying to make you aware of. It doesn't mean that I expect you, and I'm just going to pick on one person. It doesn't mean that we expect you, Josh, to go to all of those things and meet all of those needs. Not by any stretch. What we want to do is provide opportunities so if you don't know what your gift is, you can find out so that you can be a good steward and you can be deployed with your gift for our benefit. Oh yeah, I got to point that way. <clears throat> so now we're getting to kind of the end of my talk through First Peter 4. So hopefully you're getting questions ready in your mind for the, in about two slides. But Peter breaks down gifts into two different categories. There are many ways that you can break down gifts. Um, there's lots of different, there's four key passages that, that kind of list spiritual gifts. This is the shortest one, that's why I picked it, because uh, I tend to be long-winded in general, and so I picked one with two gifts in that, that way. 
uh, are two types of gifts. Um, and so the first one Peter covers is speaking gifts. So yeah, like I said, there's a bunch of lists in the Bible. Uh, this one really just kind of, all the other lists kind of fit into one of these two categories, generally speaking. And so the first one that he talks about is speaking gifts. So teaching, exhorting, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, uh, tongues, those are all speaking gifts. We're not going to get too carried away tonight with an explanation of all the gifts. Um, hopefully that comes throughout the series here. But So there's a whole bunch of speaking gifts, and maybe you can think of others. Um, and those are, those are what he's talking about first. And so just, he talks about how as the oracles of God. That made me think of deliberate words. Um, I don't know if you have really studied any kind of mythology or anything like that, but um, if you've ever heard the word oracle, when I hear it, I think of like Greek mystic uh, ladies who communed with the spirits or whatever, talked to the gods, and then shared the prophecies with the people. That's what I think of when I hear of the word oracle. Uh, if you haven't had the classical Greek education I have, that's fantastic. Um, but when we exercise speaking gifts, so this is to anybody who's got a speaking gift or is using um, speech as a, as a way of serving the body of Christ, um, we must speak carefully. And I'm going to hit pause because when you hear the word careful, you might think of how I would say like, oh, be careful when my kid gets too close to a fire or whatever. That's not, that's not how I'm using the word there. So I just want to hit pause and make sure. <coughs> Sorry. Um, just pause and make sure that I'm identifying that what I'm talking about is speaking with care and reverence. When I say careful, I mean being people who choose our words, being deliberate in what we say. Um, and the reason for that is that we are speaking on God's behalf to his people. And so that's a serious business. We're not just flippant. We're not just accidentally coming up here and giving a message. Where if you're, um, yeah, whatever, whatever way you're speaking, it's to be intentional. And it's, to, it's a gift that can be developed and matured. That doesn't mean that you can't ever use your speaking gift until you've mastered it, because like I just said before, uh, you can't get proficient at something unless you practice. So we, those of us who have speaking gifts, recognize that that's a big deal, and we need to be deliberate in our speech. So those of you that don't have speaking gifts, you're like, whew, off the hook. Not so much, but um, if I can get my clicker to work. Did it work? Oh, perfect. I don't want to click too many times. Oh, no. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Nobody look at the questions. We're not there yet. No, it's good. Um, so of equal value, and I want to make sure that I'm clear on this, of equal value, significance, importance, and weight comes this second category, which is serving gifts. That's how Peter breaks it down. There's lots of ways that we can look at, at spiritual gifts, but here's, here's a simple way Peter breaks it down into two categories. There's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. And the speaking gifts, you're handling the word of God, you're talking to God's people on his behalf, so you better be clear of mind and thought about that. You better be disciplined about that, and you better do that deliberately. But here, with the serving gifts, this is about... The emphasis is not on the words you speak, but it's on the actions you do. 
And so you've got to be clear, Peter says, that we're doing that with the power of God at work. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So it's got to be done in God's power. So again, if you have a serving gift and you're here, um, be careful, and I'm going to hit pause and remind you, but I'm not saying be careful like, oh, there's fire, be careful. I'm saying be careful as in be intentional, be thoughtful and intentional about what you do. Why? Because you're doing those things in God's power and not your power. So if you're an administrator and you have a spiritual gift of administration and you get things decent and in order, it's important to remember God is a God of order. That's good. You are not the God of order. So um, if we're in a role where we're organizing things for a a ministry or the church or whatever, um, it's important that we recognize that we're doing that in God's power and not our own power. Um, If you're someone who gives, you're giving through God's power in your life, not through your own power. I'm, I'm not prepared to be dogmatic on this, but I think of someone like Barnabas, who in early Acts, he gave the proceeds of the sale of the land. That was done with God's power. He gave that to meet a need. That was done in God's power. Ananias and Sapphira, they operated in their own power, and they wanted to get some credit for doing, you know, giving. There's some danger there. So, again, I'm not going to be dogmatic and say that this is the example, and that's a fairly extreme example. Obviously, they both died. So I'm not trying to threaten you or anything. I'm just saying um, when we speak, we want to deliberately choose words that honor and glorify God and are true to what he has revealed. And when we act, we want to do that in his power. Um, I'm going to leave it there for now and flip to the question slide. Um, So we don't have to cover all these. Um, We don't have to... Yeah, if you have questions, I want to make sure that this is, um, let me pause again. When, when we first started talking about this series, one of the big burdens I had was, can we make this somewhat interactive? So it's not just people telling us about gifts, but that there's opportunity to learn uh, in, in my own way. And so um, if something I said didn't make any sense, or maybe you think I'm crazy or whatever, um, that's fine. But feel free to ask questions. And I'm not going to have all the answers, and that's awesome, uh, because if I had all the answers, that would be a bad thing for all of us. We don't need to follow me. We need to follow Christ. So um, hopefully there are other people in the room that can answer some of your questions if you have them. But yeah, let's... Maybe one of those jumps out at you and you want to point at it, like, that one, let's talk about that one, and that's fine. Um, But yeah, I'm going to hit pause for a second on my own talking and let you guys think if there's something you want to ask or say. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. The first one is Ezekiel and the Valley of the Dry Bones. Um, And so I'm just going to kind of stand over here to the side so I can not turn my back to everyone and and just talk about some some observations from that passage. Um, So... And, and, and then try and apply them to us and this conversation today. 
Um, so what we find out right away in Ezekiel 37 is that the hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel. It, the hand of the Lord moved him to where he wanted him. And so Ezekiel was, was directed by God and God was with him in this. Um, so that's worth noticing. So today, here, um, I believe that we have been directed by God into this conversation and that God is with us, that he is in this conversation with us. And so I just, I thought that was really important to emphasize. Um, and so then in, in verse three of, of Ezekiel 37, God asks an obvious question. He looks around at this valley of dry bones and he says, Ezekiel, uh, or he says, son of man, will these bones live? And the obvious answer to that is no. Once somebody has become bones, they don't live again. That's not how it works. It's, it's never happened. Um, so the obvious answer, though, isn't the one God's going for. Um, and Ezekiel, this is 37 chapters into Ezekiel, so he's seen a thing or two of what God can do. And so he's like, well, God, only you know that. That's a much smarter answer than I probably would have given in that scenario. And then God breathes into the bones, which just reminds me of Genesis, like, oh man, these bones are, and the bones are moving around. Uh, I don't know how good your imagination is, but let's just go to Imagination Station for a minute and think about what this is. Here's Ezekiel, here's you, here's me. We're standing in a valley and it's full of bones. And then God breathes into the bones and they, they form into a humanoid shape and are moving around. That, that's a really weird mental image. And I don't know how comfortable I would be with that situation. But then what happens is that sinews and muscles start developing on these bones. And then skin covers that. And there's action associated. So God um, makes alive something that was dead or makes to move something that was dead, covers it in muscle, sinew, and skin, not just breath in bones. And then he gives a prophecy to Ezekiel about something that's going to happen. And he says that there's, there are going to be dead people come out of the graves. There's going to be a day when dead people are going to come out of the graves um, we can look forward to a future day, but I think that's talking about Christ. That's, that's the day of resurrection. Uh, there's dead people come out of the graves when, when the Lord died on the cross. And uh, the Spirit of God is put in people. Now that word choice is really fascinating because through most of the Old Testament, what you find is that the Spirit of God was on someone. God tells Ezekiel, I'm going to put my spirit in people on that day. And so there's a day to look ahead to when the spirit of God is in people. And we're in that day. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, this Holy Spirit of God is in you and you're empowered through him. And so we're not just dry bones. Uh-oh, did my battery die? Oh, that was weird. It just went black for a second, or I had a mini stroke, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm gonna try and blaze through this quickly here, but I wanted to contrast two different people. We've talked a lot about natural man and spiritual man. Um, let's think about the kings Saul and David. 
I'm not gonna reference all of these things, but 1 Samuel 9 verses one and two talks about how Saul was a goodly and mighty man, head and shoulders above the best in Israel. So he was a good dude and everybody looks at him and goes, that guy should be our leader. Like, look at him, big, strong warrior, handsome, maybe, I don't know. Um, He had all the tools in the toolbox, but he was a natural man. Uh, David, on the other hand, when we first meet him in 1 Samuel 16, um, he's described as being ruddy, young, and handsome. Not qualities that we should choose a leader for. Um, a chapter later, chapter 17, Goliath is confronted by David. David says, you can't talk about my God like that. And Goliath says, look at you, you youthful, pretty boy. Wow, not exactly um, obvious qualities to be the guy that God puts on the throne. Not compared, at least, to Saul, who's a big, strong warrior dude. Um, However, we see in their life, multiple occasions in Saul's life, chapters 13, 14, and 15, Saul is either foolish, he's described as being foolish by Samuel and God, And in 15, he's actually outright disobedient to God, where he offers sacrifices he has no business offering, and he does things that he has no business doing. So Saul is foolish and disobedient, but David, before he's even king, is described to Saul by Samuel as being a man after God's own heart. That man is going to be the captain of Israel. Um, And we find out in Acts 13, 22, which we just went through, a month or so ago in our Bible study, that um, Paul, talking about David, says, David, who is described as a man after God's own heart. So we know that that's who, I mean, it's obvious from the context of 1 Samuel, but in case we're not clear, he's later named as being a man after the Lord's heart. So, So one king is foolish and disobedient, the other is someone after the Lord's heart. So the reason this is relevant as I'm just t- talking about what we were just talking about, somebody who's got all the tools and somebody who's got no tools, it, it all depends on where your heart's at. If you're foolish and disobedient, it doesn't matter how many tools you have, you're not going to honor God. If you're a one-tool person, if all you got is, I'll do whatever you say, Lord, that's a pretty good spot to be. Uh, the Lord's going to use you because he used David. Um, the, the heartbreaking part in Saul's life um, in 1 Samuel 15, 35, right after Saul has offered sacrifices and not killed all the stuff he was supposed to kill, all the livestock, um, it talks about how Samuel left him. And so Samuel's the prophet. Samuel's the one who's speaking for God. Samuel left him and never saw him again as long as he lived. So the, the messenger from God no longer comes to, to Saul. Uh, the next chapter, we find out that God himself left Saul, and he was tormented by an evil spirit. That's the end of Saul. That's what, that's like, and then that happens for years. Um, but 1 Samuel 23, uh, there's enemies camped in a place, and David prays to the Lord on multiple occasions, Lord, what do I do? David practiced hearing the Lord. And so he says, Lord, what do I do? Do I go and attack? Are they going to betray me? Should I go and attack? God said, go. Uh, I'm going to give the enemies over to you. And so he goes and he conquers. Then he hears word of the army coming and he says, Lord, what do I do? Are they going to come and are these guys going to betray me? And God says, yep, 
you better get out of there. And so he goes and leaves the area. Uh, and so David practiced hearing the Lord. The final thing is a New Testament thing, and this is a parable of the Lord Jesus. So, um, I want to be careful with this one because it's not, I don't want to directly uh, say that this is what, uh, this is about spiritual gifts. Um, but I want to take some application from it. So, the story in Matthew 25, and I've, the reason I've put all the chapter and verses on everything is so that you can double check that what I'm saying is actually in the Bible because you should discern the spirits. If what I'm saying is honoring to God and if what I'm saying matches with scripture, then that's a good thing. If it doesn't, please come tell me because I don't want to be that guy. What's happening in the story that Jesus tells here is that a master is going away and so he has three servants and according to their abilities, he gives one servant five talents, one servant two talents, and one servant one talent. Those who were given two and five talents, they doubled what they were given. They invested, they practiced, they were diligent, they, inv they invested, they, they did something with what they had been given. Uh, the one with one talent did nothing. They buried it. Uh, they didn't even put it in the bank so it could collect interest. They just buried it. Um, and, and so this isn't an exact parallel to God's Holy Spirit giving us gifts. I want to be clear about that because the end of that passage talks about how the one the one talent guy gets cast out and what he had was given to others but it but it offers an interesting question for us are we going to use what God has given us or are we going to waste it God has given each believer in Christ a gift a spiritual gift you also have talents and, and abilities and personality and all that stuff you also have all those things but we're talking about, in this series, spiritual gifts. God has given you at least one. If you're a believer in Christ, you have one for sure. Maybe you have two, maybe you have five, I don't know. But you got at least one, because everybody gets one. And it's for building up the body. So you have a choice, and I have a choice. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to use it? Are we going to grow in it? Are we going to ask for advice? Are we going to get mentors and, and people to disciple us and challenge us? Um, accountability partners to help us do things that maybe we're uncomfortable with? I've seen in the life of at least four brothers in, in our local fellowship a burning desire over the last couple of years to share the gospel. And they're holding themselves accountable by telling us about those situations. And, and they've publicly, at least I think all, all of them have shared publicly, of, of opportunities that they've had where they've missed the mark. Where they, they had an open door to share the gospel with someone and, oh, I didn't bring a tract with me today. Or, or whatever. And they've shared those with us to be held accountable. Why? because they want to be these five and two talent guys. They don't want to be the one talent guy who squandered what God gave. Um, they want to be the one who hears, well done, good and faithful servant. And so my challenge that, that I'm left with as I prepared for this was, what am I going to do with what God gave me? That was a challenge that was issued to me a couple years ago too. Um, when we formed as a church and I was asked uh, to, to fill in in a capacity within the church. And I got to be honest with you guys, I still don't feel qualified for the role that I was asked to fill in. I don't. I don't feel qualified. But what I do know is that multiple people in my life have affirmed gifting 
And it would be foolish of me to neglect that gifting. And I'm not saying I'm really good at it or anything. What I'm saying is I, I need to keep practicing that. I need, to, I need to put my money where my mouth is. And I need to do what I've just said and all this stuff. I need to be someone who's disciplined and deliberate. I need to be those things. And so uh, my hope, just kind of to wrap up, because I recognize it's basically 8 o'clock, is that we, whatever the gifts are that, we're, that, that are represented in the room here, um, that we're going to know that there's, um, those gifts are from God, and we find out in the scripture that God gives every good and perfect thing comes from God. God gives good gifts. The Lord Jesus talked about how as a parent, if your kid asks for bread, are you going to give them a rock? Or if they ask for water, are you going to give them a snake? It's, just, it's a crazy example, but God gives good things to his children. And, and if you, us, if we give good things to one another, how much better are the things that God gives? And so God gives, and we can't outgive him. And so, like, like I think it was Aaron that mentioned, um, when God gives us something, it's not just so we can hoard it and, yes, this is mine, my precious. We're not doing that. It's not Lord of the Rings. We're not, we're not Gollum holding on tightly to this precious thing. No, it's supposed to be something that we give freely to one another and to, so that we all benefit and all grow and all become mature followers of Christ. Um, I pray, and I will pray in just a second, that this series as we launch into it and, and hopefully in future sessions are covering spiritual gifts specifically that directly apply to you, um, my prayer will be and is that we're equipped, that we can encourage and exhort one another um, and that we're edified through this series. That, that's my prayer for this series. So um, if you'll just join me in corporate prayer, I'm just going to pray and ask God to yeah, overrule. Um, Father, we, we can only come to you because we've been adopted as, as children through the completed work of Christ on the cross. We can only come to you because you have justified us and declared us to be righteous. Um, we can only come to you through the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that... Um, the unity that's on display with the Godhead of how the Holy Spirit is, can intercede for us as we pray. Um, yeah, and Lord, I just, I, I don't even really know what to say other than just to say whatever we cover in this spiritual gift series, whether it was the last couple Sunday mornings or whether it's tonight or future sessions, I just pray that you would work mightily in your people. Um, that you would equip us, that you would encourage and exhort us, that we would hear you speak um, directly to us, that it would be practical and, and lived, experienced walking with you, not just words that we can understand. Um, as, brother, as a brother quoted, fluency... Um, yeah, we, we don't want to just be fluent in, in the language. We want to actually be people who, who speak with power, who act with power, uh, your power specifically. Um, I pray that we would do these things in unity and love for one another and for you. 
And ultimately, I just pray, um, like the words of, of the passage, that, um, that, yeah, this would be for the glorification. Yeah. That you may be glorified through Jesus Christ, uh, because to him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. And so I just pray that in his name. Amen.